listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. And I'm Ian. And, and we're, we're the, the Recefis. My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week, he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it. But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe. You promise? I promise. And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pot on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money. And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain. If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and our about page to learn the different ways you can support the show. And if you're new here or not, make sure you check out the Satoshi Savings Calculator on the site. It's a little app that I built that enables you to set a goal for how much Bitcoin you want to acquire while also reinforcing certain Bitcoin concepts like the having and Satoshis. And since I know Bitcoin Corners are all about their privacy. The app works completely in airplane mode and only saves data to your browser's local storage. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Time for shout outs. Shout out to Hunter SF770, Zeka Boy, Tanti Mom, Caribbee, E-Tick Investment, Bug Squasher, Nick, Will M. Valenzuela, Graf, MRA, Soy Boy BTC, No Blessy, Cigarette <laughs> Defunct Mode, Lightning Dab, Gushwan, Live to Shoot, and Damien Koo. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Bonjour. And howdy. Howdy, y'all. So, babe, it's Cyber Monday, and I think Bitcoin's on sale. It is on sale. It's like 70% off. (laughs) And to our listeners who might not celebrate Cyber Monday or live in a country that celebrates Cyber Monday, um, it's just when websites are supposed to have sales, but really, like... This year, the sales started like, I don't know, two weeks ago, and Black Friday and Cyber Monday have kind of like blended into each other. I mean, it started at Labor Day this year, actually. Kind of, yeah. Everything's on sale. But Bitcoin is a steal right now, would you say? Considering what's probably going to happen next year, um, yeah, I would say that Bitcoin's probably a steal right now. With the halving? Well, the halving happens in 2024. Oh, okay. But... The the math, you know, there's some charts. I'll, I'll put a I'll put a chart in this week's um, you know, episode description. But you know, the price action of Bitcoin tends to start about one year before the having, right? So one year before the having is about April of next year, hmm. um, and it tends to run up and then bottom about one and a half years after the having. So run up meaning the price just skyrockets. I mean, again, I'm not making price predictions. I'm just talking about the historical pattern of Bitcoin Mm -hmm. is that the price starts moving in a exponential or parabolic way 
about one year before the halving. I remember last year around this time, the price kind of dropped and you had said it was because of taxes and people were kind of cashing out because of that. Well, I mean, there's... That was your guess, I think, around this time last year. So, you know, Bitcoin is an is an open network. It's not a it's not like its purpose is to like facilitate tax payments and stuff like that. So, anytime there's a large price movement of the Bitcoin asset, it doesn't necessarily always correspond to like a lot of action on the blockchain. And so, when I made that um, you know, guesstimate last year or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there's two very important times when it comes to taxes. One is like before the year end. Mm-hmm. So you want to get in most of your losses. If you had losses, right? You want to realize those losses before the year ends. And then in April, when you actually have a tax bill to pay, you might need to sell some Bitcoin to get dollars to pay the federal government because you cannot pay the federal government in Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, the state of Colorado recently is accepting Bitcoin for taxes. And I think another state that I can't think of, but I feel like it's two states mm-hmm. that have either are accepting Bitcoin payments or are talking about Bitcoin payments. But I know Colorado is like, they're doing it for next tax season, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they announced that earlier this year. So because you can't pay the government in Bitcoin, there is going to be always some people that need to sell Bitcoin to pay taxes if you're a person that's like trading Bitcoin on a regular basis. Because you're every time you sell for a profit, you have realized gains mm-hmm. and then you have to pay taxes on it. This is why we don't sell Bitcoin. Because if we don't sell, then there's no taxable event. But with all that said, it's definitely on super sale. The last halving, you know, it ran up to 20000 mm-hmm. And so we're below the top of the last cycle, right? Mm-hmm. We're also below the top of this cycle, which is which was like seventy. It was like mm-hmm. 70000 So again, I'm not trying to make price predictions, but... Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> well... Assuming in every halving cycle, there is a new high, mm-hmm. uh, I would argue that 20,000 was two cycles ago, 70 was this cycle. What's the high of the next cycle going to be? Whatever it is, it's probably going to be more than the 16.5 that it's on sale for right now. So with that said, babe, what time is it? The current time is 765-065, and we're 1,204 blocks since our last recording. Yeah, Thanksgiving got in the way of us putting out an episode. Thank you for your patience, everyone. So babe, with one US dollar, how many acres of sunny Bitcoin Island could I get? Today, you can get uh, 6,126 acres on Bitcoin Island for a dollar. I think since we've started our pod, this is the lowest price it's been maybe yeah but funny enough this is the time when my baba finally wanted to buy bitcoin <laughs> yeah you know. we were at my parents house yesterday and my dad uh you know said ian i'm ready let's do this and my dad was like i'm buying bitcoin today but of course you had to set up his account and the kyc hasn't gone through yet because it was a sunday Right. There are other ways that he could have bought it right away, but I feel like getting started on strike is probably the best place to start. You know, there's two types of people that come out of the woodworks when Bitcoin's price is low. Um, There are the, I guess the, the official term is haters, 
right? And they pop up and they kind of text me and they're like, hey, just want to make sure you're doing okay. You know, I know Bitcoin's <laughs> down or whatever. It's like, do you want me to not Aww, be okay? You know, no, they're making sure you are okay. Yeah, but like they're, they're, it's almost as if they want to hear me say that like, I'm giving up on this Bitcoin thing, mm-hmm. right? So there's those people. And they're fewer and far between lately. You know, I think everyone kind of understands that I'm I'm in it. You're not going to get that from me. But also like, you know, it's, you know, Bitcoin has been in the news via FTX. So it's just more on people's radar. Um, but the other group of people that come out when Bitcoin is down is like, oh, is now the time to buy? I think that's really interesting because if you know enough to see the price at a certain point and think it's the time to buy, then when they go to buy, they like want to push in like all this money mm-hmm. or like they want to push in a lump sum, whatever, whatever it may be. And then when I say to them, like, well, you should buy every day or you should buy, you know, every hour, like you should buy at some interval, they get frustrated. Yeah, you've taken all of the thrill away from them because they're still trying to make money off of it. Well, yeah, I think that's part of it, right? Like they're like halfway there. They get that like there's this thing that used to be expensive. Now it's a little cheaper. And we all understand the economics of buy low, sell high. But when I kind of like issue caution, even when it's low, they still don't have the patience for it yet. It's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's almost like trying to like teach someone patience Mm -hmm. or convince someone to be patient. And... I find that very interesting. Like a lot of people in the past like month, especially after the FTX crash when it was like at 15, uh, a lot of people were like, I'm buying more, I'm buying more, I'm buying more. And I'm like, all right, cool. But like, don't blow all your cash because it might go lower. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, they pause for a second. And what do you mean it might go lower? I'm like, well, it's already it's, going it lower. It's going lower, yeah. Right? Like, you don't want to you don't want to drop all your money at the first drop. There might be other drops. And then it's like they get cautious again. Yeah. Because they're like, they don't want to lose that fiat dollar number. They don't want that to go down. Oh, yeah. That's way too soon for them to be able to make that mental shift. But I also think, like, it's hard for me even if, let's say it goes back up to 70 for us not to just sell a little of it to make a profit of it. Like in my mind, I'm like, that would make sense for us to do because won't it go down again? What do you think? Like, you know, it it ran up to 20 and then it came down to three and then it ran up to 70 and then it's down to 15, 16, right? Mm -hmm. And so sure, the next cap might be 200,000. Let's say that. Sure. But then it'll come right down to 30 again. So at 200,000, shouldn't we sell? And then like, just assume that it's going to come back down. And even if it doesn't, at least we've made that profit and we've pocketed that and we're like, you know, able to do something with it in in the fiat world. I mean, pay off our mortgage. Not that that would pay off our mortgage, but I'm not telling anyone when to buy and when to sell. I'll say you should buy a little bit every day. Right. I'm not telling anyone like today's the day to buy. Um, I think you should buy a little bit every day between now and forever. Mm -hmm. Right. When to sell, that's a personal decision. And so I would argue, like, what exactly do you need that money for? If you need that money to buy something that you cannot buy with Bitcoin, then for sure, like, sell. But if you have no need, if you have no need for that money and you're just selling because you want to have a large pile of cash in your checking account, I don't... I don't think that that's the right decision. But would you even think like for us, let's say I wanted to 
sell some Bitcoin because it was really up and pay off some of our mortgage, bring why? our mortgage payment down. Why? I think, Can- yeah, you would say why, because this is just a piece of debt that we have that we're paying off and in set increments. The mortgage payment that we have, we can afford. Yeah. So why would we trade our extremely rare, valuable asset, Bitcoin? Why would we trade that for dollars to pay off a mortgage that we have no trouble paying off? Well, because we don't know how long it'll stay that high. Right. But if we assume... Which this is a large assumption. I think it's going to take, you know, I have a little more conviction because I've been paying attention a little mm-hmm. more closely. But how many cycles of havings can you go without selling anything? Because when you do sell, that is a taxable event. Yeah. So like if you're buying Bitcoin today at 16 and you're selling it at 200, you have to pay tax on those gains. <clears throat> Unless somehow the bank that holds our mortgage starts accepting Bitcoin. No, unless the United States changes the laws and makes Bitcoin currency. Mm. So anytime you sell or anytime you like transfer Bitcoin to someone to like pay a bill, you technically are expected to pay taxes on that, which is why we don't sell anything and we never pay for anything in Bitcoin. When I pay for things in Bitcoin, I'm actually using Strike to convert dollars and the other person gets Bitcoin, but I've never sent anyone Bitcoins when I bought something with Bitcoin. From my side, I was sending dollars. So in that way, I did spend currency, and that's not a taxable event. But when you go and you move your Bitcoin onto Strike or you move your Bitcoin onto whatever platform you're going to sell it on, and you hit sell, and they give you a bunch of cash, and you transfer that out, now you have to figure out, well, what's the price that I got that Bitcoin at? What's the price that I sold it at? And I got to pay taxes on that. Mm -hmm. If you don't, obviously, there's a bunch of people that have not been doing that for the last decade, probably. I feel like the government is coming for those people, a la they just hired 84,000 new IRS agents. They're not going for billionaires, (laughs) right? They're going for people that, in theory, aren't paying their taxes. And I'm just waiting for the actual laws to change when you can just spend Bitcoin without it being a taxable event. And then it's not a matter of selling Bitcoin. You would just be able to buy a lot of things with your Bitcoin. I think that tax element to it is one that needs to be explained more to people that are trying to just buy thousands of dollars of Bitcoin right now as their first Bitcoin purchase. I mean, the taxes is a big part of it. You know, if you were to buy a bar of gold and then sell your bar of gold, it's the same thing. Yeah, but I don't think those people are buying bars of gold and selling them either. No, like, they're not. If you were all to, new concepts If you were them. to buy $1,000 worth of Apple... Mm-hmm. And sell it for yeah. $1,200. You got to pay tax on that. Yeah. Now, we can have a different conversation about whether or not that's right. Whether or not you should have to pay tax on your capital gains. Uh, I think a lot of people would disagree with paying tax on capital gains. But the fact of the matter is that you have to. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I don't care if it runs up to 100000 or 200000 or a million. If I have no need to sell it, I am not selling it. Because I do not want to pay tax on this. And if you can wait long enough, again, there's a big part of patience in here. If you can wait long enough, the rules and the laws will change. Because once financial institutions and stuff get their hands in it, they're going to lobby to get the laws changed. And or I think the other little metagame that's going to happen, take like El Salvador, for example. 
They've made it currency. You could move to El Salvador and spend all the Bitcoin you want in El Salvador. No taxes. Mm -hmm. So like it's just here in the States and in the West, air quotes, right? And most countries where you still have this like capital gains tax. But I think there's going to be a point of time in our lifetime where countries are creating very favorable tax laws for people with Bitcoin because it's going to be the most scarce asset and they'll want that currency circulating in their economies. All right, babe, I'll wait. So here in the States, this past weekend, we celebrated Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's uh, (laughs) Thanksgiving is a controversial holiday here in America. Um, We don't really celebrate the holiday. We just spend time with our families and eat a lot of food. Uh, But I was really curious to know like what the Bitcoin community had to say about Thanksgiving because I don't know if Ian does this a lot on the podcast, but like any element of society that we live in today, Ian will just say that's fiat. So babe, is Thanksgiving fiat? No, I don't. I don't think Thanksgiving is fiat. I think Thanksgiving is um, a little bit of propaganda. A little, yeah. A lot. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, like, I think the idea of giving thanks for the things that you have is not fiat. I think regardless of your religious affiliation, like, I think that's a thing that we can all kind of get on board with. Whether or not you pray to certain gods before you give thanks, like, that's up to you. But I think being thankful uh, for what you have and, like, taking a day to reflect on that, I don't think that's fiat. You know, I woke up on Thanksgiving Day And I was on Twitter and I was just looking at all the memes or whatever because, you know, the Bitcoiners are probably off. So the best memers were they either had them locked and loaded or they had some extra time on Thanksgiving to like put them together. And there were some really good ones. A lot of them were like, you know, people standing around there, you know, sitting at their Thanksgiving table arguing with family or, you know, it's like, you know, me at Thanksgiving and, you know, arguing with someone about Bitcoin or whatever. Um, But there was actually an article that got shared as I was like scrolling through, you know, Bitcoin Twitter. I don't know if it was like specifically a Bitcoin Bitcoiner that posted it, but it came into Bitcoin Twitter as, you know, things do. And it was talking about how the story of Thanksgiving and the Indians kind of helping the pilgrims is a little bit off the mark. While the Native Americans helped the pilgrims in some way, it looks more like that the pilgrims actually probably saved themselves. And the way that they did that is, you know, when they came over from from Europe, uh, you know, they brought with them, uh, you know, a certain way of organizing themselves. I don't want to say communist, but it was it was more communal in nature where everyone was kind of assigned a task in the town and, you know, they worked that task and then the town kind of benefited from those tasks. And what it appears happened is that the pilgrims got together and realized like, yo, this isn't working. You know, and what can we do? Like, how can we like... It wasn't working, meaning they didn't have enough food. It wasn't working, meaning like they were not producing enough to survive. Food was just one of the things, Mm -hmm. right? But you need like wood to like burn to stay warm and stuff like that. And so like, okay, we're going to send like two guys in the woods and their only job is to like chop down wood for the whole village. Okay, like at a certain point, maybe they get tired of chopping wood, right? So what the pilgrims did was that they made a, you know, a, a fundamental structural change to how they organized themselves. 
And what they did was they said, well, everyone kind of gets their own plot of land and your task is to like work that plot of land to survive. The incentive structure was kind of pushed on the individual saying you individually are now responsible for cutting your own wood, growing your own food. Anything that you have in excess, obviously trade that with the village, but you basically get to keep more of the fruits of your labor. And this is a documented like structural organizational change that the pilgrims made. Yes, that, I'll post the article on the mm-hmm. on the, the the show notes. I think that that story, you know, is a great example of where we are today with Bitcoin. Uh, you know, our world system has some structural flaws. One of the major structural flaws is that we run the world economy based on debt. And as we're learning, a lot of this debt is never going to be paid back. And so what Bitcoin kind of offers is that same concept of like, here's a fundamental change to how you can organize yourself. You could organize yourself based on debt that'll never be paid back. Or you could organize yourself on this singular scarce asset that as we're seeing with a lot of these collapses of FTX and Celsius and stuff like that, it's like you can hold your own money and when all that other stuff falls apart, you're still safe. Just like maybe everyone in the village didn't chop down enough wood except for you, but you did the work to make sure that your family survives. (laughs) Share your excess with everyone, sure, but you're not required to turn over all your wood to the village just because everyone else didn't do their research and figure out that I need to chop down more trees. So this is like just comparing, you know, society was struggling and they pivoted or they redesigned how they established the trade of resources. Um, I mean, that's, that's one way to look at it. But I was looking at it just more at a higher level. Like they had been doing things for a very long time. They brought that over from Europe. And one of the things that I would imagine that they didn't factor in is that in Europe, it was like a fully established system. Mm -hmm. So that fully established system of European feudalism, right, had some built in buffer that made that system function, right? There was a trade network. There was all kinds of places that you could get other resources from. But when you came to the new world, they didn't have any of that built in system. So they needed a system that would work without having any access to like European resources and running a little communal village where that's how they would have run it in Europe just didn't work. And so they had to literally change how they ran to their point of view society. So why do you think that that's not the narrative that was explained? Instead, it's Native Americans shared food and taught them how to grow their own food and that's how they survive um i mean number one it's a nice it's a prettier story yeah right it's, it's a nice propaganda i mean about it's a the ni- relationship between them in all honesty like it's kind of a messed up story to tell the story that the native americans helped us survive and then we proceeded to wipe them off the continent well we usually don't tell the second side of that story yeah but we know the second side yeah, of that story yeah, yeah, right so it. like the 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 propaganda of thanksgiving in my mind is trying to undo the fact that we wiped them Mm -hmm. off the continent. Whereas if you tell the story of like, hey, we came over here, we were struggling, we changed our system, that enabled us to survive, that enabled us, for right or wrong, to wipe them off the continent because we were able to survive. And we're saying we, but I don't think Ian and my ancestors had anything to do with it. (laughs) I mean, someone did it. Yeah, someone did it, but it wasn't us. Someone did it. And I think that this story of like, the pilgrims actually changing their how they kind of structured their society is just not a fun story to tell. It doesn't have that same warm, fuzzy feeling. 
except when you get to the point in history where we are right now, where it's like, yo, this system ain't working. What are we going to do? Yeah. And we've pivoted before we can pivot again. We don't have to stick with what we have. Exactly. And so that story kind of popping up on Twitter um, on Thanksgiving, you know, I shared it with a couple of, of my friends when I sent them the like happy Thanksgiving message, you know, like, <laughs> of course you did. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Let's bring it back to Bitcoin. Yeah. Again, this article doesn't mention the word Bitcoin at all. It's ah. not a, it's not an article about Bitcoin. It's just, here's another story. Here's a different angle on what happened. Mm-hmm. A Bitcoiner looks at that and goes, yeah, there were structural problems with their system. They changed to survive. Today, we have structural problems with our system. Either we will change or we will die. And what we're seeing right now with rampant inflation going on around the world, like it's not necessarily as bad as freezing in the cold in Providence, Massachusetts, while the Indians are like partying over in the woods. But if this financial system falls apart, there will be a lot of people on this planet that starve. Full stop. And we may not be in that group of people, but when those people are starving, they are going to look for a better system. And I would argue that Bitcoin is that better system. And when they adopt that better system, they'll survive. They will survive. The people that are currently in charge do not seem to be making the best decisions on how to fix this problem. When they can't figure out how to fix it, the system will blow up. They'll throw their hands in the air and be like, well, we tried. And all the people are still got to figure out how to survive. Everyone's going to have to figure it out on their own. So better get to figuring it out on your own now before it blows up. Because when it does blow up, they're not going to give you any pointers. They're going to go to their bunkers, eat their caviar or whatever rich people eat these days and just watch it burn and then pop back up and pretend like nothing happened. Yeah, there's not going to be a story about the wealthy coming with a turkey to the porn. That's not going to happen. So, no, I don't think Thanksgiving is fiat, but I think the story of Thanksgiving is a little bit fiat. Especially if like this is kind of not so much known, but it is available knowledge Mm -hmm. and it's not taught. Not at all. So anything that's not taught that I find out as an adult, I'm just kind of like, why don't they teach that? Fiat. Well, the fiat part of that is someone is deciding what we're taught. Yeah. And someone decided, whether they, either they didn't know or they didn't want to, but someone decided, tell them the Native Americans helped them. Don't tell them that changing the system is what saved them. That to me sounds a little like intentional. All right, so moving on from Thanksgiving, we are entering the holiday season. And the holiday season in America is like pure consumerism, capitalism, all that fun stuff. That's not really fun. It's just incredibly stressful. Um, Would you say that's fiat? I mean, Santa Claus is fiat. Santa's fiat. Santa's fiat. Santa's like the ultimate fiat. How is Santa fiat? You know, Santa is a tool that parents use to control their kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So a parent will say, you better behave or Santa Claus won't bring you any presents. Yeah, Santa's watching you. That too. He's writing down how good you are. So Santa's big brother, yep. right? Um, Santa's monitoring your phone calls, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Santa's watching your DMs. But like, if you don't behave, you will not get your reward. So do you, I, I think I already know the answer to this question, but when we have kids, is Santa going to exist? No. Are you going to explain that like, oh, people think Santa exists, but he's not really real? Yes. Okay. Yes. I will explain that there are certain people 
that believe a lot of crazy things. And your mom is one of them. <laughs> I don't think you believe in Santa Claus. I don't, but I I don't know. I, there's like some, I, I want to believe in the magic of it. In the movies, at least, you know? I think that's fun. Right. But I see, this is my point, right? Like, But parents should get whatever credit there is when there's a present under the tree. I mean, forget the presents. Like, the presents are, like, secondary. I I think the idea of Santa is fiat mainly because it has all the same trappings as the government dealing with citizens, right? So it's like, if you don't behave, you don't get your presents. If you don't do what we say, we'll take things away from you. Well, they don't take things away. They give a lump of coal, which honestly in this economy is not a bad thing. (laughs) I mean, if you're in Germany right now or China, you'll take a lump of coal, right? Yeah, everyone's being bad Um, right now. No, so like the government kind of sets themselves up as like the adult Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. right? And you better behave, you better do what we say, you better pay your taxes, right? And if you do all those things, you get Christmas presents. And that's for children. So are you saying it's like a brainwashing for children? But then it's also like forcing adults to play this ridiculous game every year. No, what I'm saying is that by teaching your kids about Santa Claus, you're setting them up to not question the government. Mm. And that's where the fiat of Santa Claus comes in, is that you eventually figure out that Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah, someone in school tells you. Someone eventually tells you, right? But who eventually tells you, you know, these people that are like, take 50% of your check every day? Like, why? They're just people. They're just people. You know, um, do you know what Elf on the Shelf is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Elf on the Shelf is this really weird thing that sprouted up maybe 10 years ago. And it's like this little uh, stuffed elf doll. And it comes with a book. And parents put it around the house. I believe it's way older than that. Oh, maybe it's older than that. I learned about it 10 years ago. And they're like watching you mm-hmm. every night. And they're like found in compromising positions the next day. But the elf on the shelf is watching you. And I think that is just the creepiest thing yeah. that people do to their kids. 100- I'm so against elf on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I just... Oh, it's that's the surveillance state, nanny state, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, all of that is setting your kid up to not question what's actually going on in the world. And just like, like what, be what, on your best behavior. Yeah, and a kid might a good kid, you know, a kid that's not a problem, that's behaves, you know, uh-huh. well in society, might see the elf on the shelf and say something like, Oh, I don't know. Well, I have nothing to hide. Go ahead. Put the elf in the shelf on my room. Yeah. I'm a good little boy. Yeah. I better get my presents though. Yeah. Right? Same thing. When people say I have nothing to hide, mm-hmm. like that is the like biggest cop out and like they will be the first ones that get carted off because you had nothing to hide. They know everything about you. I mean, I, I totally hear you and I agree with you on all of those things. I just think it's a little difficult to maneuver Christmas with young children. Like there's got to be, I'm, not, I'm sure there's parents who have figured it out, but I think like Christmas music is really fun. I think Christmas movies are really fun. But like at a young age, it has to be like, this is just fun make believe. Sure. But like, you know, but like if we'll get you one gift, but I I, I think like, because I just want to go back to the consumerism of all of, of all of it. And I don't know if this relates to like Bitcoin ideologies, but I just think Christmas is so wasteful and that like the most random people in your life apparently need to get gifts around Christmas. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. Like, you're supposed to give your mailman a gift. You're supposed to give... It's not a rule. It's not a rule, but, like, people do it. People give their coworkers gifts. All, all not, these gifts. It's not a rule, though. But all of the gifts are 
trash. They're not like actual things that other people want. It's just you're pulling together maybe, I think it used to be $5, and I'm sure people spend like $20 a person because of inflation. But Mm -hmm. it's just little pieces of garbage Mm -hmm. that are holiday themed Mm -hmm. that you desperately go and buy during this desperately yeah people go the weekend of thanksgiving the weekend after thanksgiving everyone's shopping to buy whatever nonsense they can to wrap and hand to someone Mm -hmm. to say oh well here's a gift Mm -hmm. and nobody really gets anything that they want everyone is spending a lot of money that they don't have yep it's such a joke and then people people go to their kids and are like make a list of what you want and their kids get those gifts, like multiple gifts that they've asked for. Mm-hmm. And somehow they still believe like Santa is real. The whole thing makes no sense to me. No. I was not raised this way, obviously. Okay. But I didn't need to be raised this way. Like, it's just so strange to me how wasteful people are during this time of year and how much money they spend. And I really wonder what this year is going to look like because everyone is struggling. And who's going to want to put a lot of money towards something that ultimately is just such a waste of money. Well, I think some of this is already being borne out in the data. This was like, I think, the weakest Black Friday ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it'll be the weakest Cyber Monday ever. The sales were super weak. Like, yeah. there weren't any crazy sales. Everything was max 20% off. Well, I mean, forget about the sales. I'm just, I'm going on the people don't have money to splurge. They don't have money to spend. Mm -hmm. I don't know what percentage of the people that is. um, But I would argue that there's probably a correlation between people who spend a lot of money during Thanksgiving and people who are not good with money. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Because at the end of the day, it is consumerism and... It's it's very hard. It's a very hard drug to fight off. I get it. I understand it. Um, you know, my birthday is the day after Christmas, and I always tell people I don't want anything for Christmas. I don't want any birthday presents. Yeah. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And it's like I'm literally trying to remove a burden off of you. Yeah. You do not need to get me a birthday present. You do not need to get me a Christmas present. You can text me, say Merry Christmas, whatever. If that's what you need to do, but like, I'm not sitting there being like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so didn't get me a present. But also, it's not going to be something you want. It's never something I want because if I don't have it, I don't want it. Yeah. I mean, Ian and I don't buy each other gifts. I can't remember the last time we bought each other. One of us got the other a gift. Sure, but I'm going more towards like the consumerism aspect of it. Yeah, well, I'm saying even your own spouse, like we, I know if you want something, you're going to buy it for yourself. Yeah. And I know that if I want something, I'm going to buy it for myself. If it's a big ticket item, we'll both run it by each other Mm -hmm. as like an FYI. But the whole gifting culture has been taken over by obligation things that people give each other are just it's just garbage it doesn't mean anything like that's the element of it that it's still surprising to me that some people can't let go like I have a firm rule that I do not give gifts and I do not want gifts so I tell people all the time in my life like don't get me a gift I'm not getting you a gift and it's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation but I'm really like I don't have the energy to go find a gift for you whenever there's an occasion to get you a gift So don't expect one from me, but I love you very much and I care about you. And if you're going through something like, and I think flowers would cheer you up, I'll send you flowers. Or if I think you need food, like when my, when all my friends get COVID, I send them food, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think that's not 
wasteful and I think it's it's doing something for them, but I'm not going to buy you a new scarf. Like this is just, yeah. you're not going to get a scarf from Mandana. Sorry guys. But that that goes back to like we, earlier what you said like, you know, are you going to are you going to teach your kids about Santa Claus and my immediate reaction is no. Because that's where it starts. That's where they get indoctrinated. If you teach your kids about Santa Claus and that things come just magically appear mm-hmm. from nowhere, if that's like the beginning of their like rationalization of the world. Like I deserve a gift every Christmas because it's someone else's birthday. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But like just the rationalization of I got presents on a specific day or I got toys on a specific day. And oh, for at least a small percentage of their childhood, like... And they didn't come from my parents. Yeah. It's like things come from nowhere. That's not how the world works. And so then you fast forward to you're an adult. And when someone says something like, um, we're going to print $80 billion and send it to Ukraine. It's like, where did that money come from? Now, the fact that we do have the ability to conjure $80 billion out of thin air and give it to Ukraine. The fact that we can do that, I think in large part, is possible because people don't understand that things have to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when we do conjure $80 billion and send it to Ukraine or we conjure $80 billion and send it to wherever, we just create money out of thin air and spend it. That money that was just created is being spent to accumulate things that the rest of us also need. If you're buying food for Ukrainians, you're buying food that I also needed. If you're buying guns for ukrainians you're buying guns that some rebel warlord needed right like (laughs) really needed yeah but you know what i'm saying like when we conjure that money up and we spend it it's making everything more expensive for everyone else but santa is this like magical thing where they he has an l he have he has unpaid labor yeah samulus santa (laughs) Claus runs a sweatshop with magic with magic so he has no costs and and the point is is that like when you're a kid that story can make sense, but when you become an adult, you replace that story with what we see today, which is the government just kind of like handing out presents without any accountability for where those presents came from. And when you try to explain to someone where the money came from for the government to actually do that, they don't understand how that's possible or they're just confused. And it's like, well, you should be confused because it's got to come from somewhere. I have a counter to... Christmas and Santa. I love Christmas. Guys, like let me first just lay that out there. I love Christmas movies, all of those things. I love everything about Christmas that's like the TV and music part of it. But really, uh, everything else I don't really participate in. But with that said, I'm going to make the pitch for the Persian New Year, Noruz. Um, and this is what we do for kids. So everyone for Noruz, you look at it as a fresh start. It's during the spring. So you clean your whole house. Everyone has to do that. And everyone gets new bed sheets. So like once a year you get new bed sheets and you get one new outfit. And you know your parents are buying that for you. And it's really exciting because you actually really appreciate having new bed sheets. I don't know if other kids in other cultures do, but it's it was always a really exciting thing for me. And then your parents and your elders give you money. And that's called 80. But it's really nice because you, you get money and like as a kid, you're in our family, you were expected to save up, save it up, but that was the gift. You're not getting toys or anything like that. You're getting money, and it's supposed to be the money that you get to kind of start your year with. And I really liked that because it's very transparent. 
And it's, there's nothing magical about it. I think the magic of Norris is just the spring, right? The season's changing and all of that stuff. But it was a really nice way to celebrate as a kid. And I think it is a more uh, realistic way of, of bringing a kid slowly into an adulthood. Because then eventually you're the adult and then you're the one giving the kids AD. But you're not like obligated to do anything for other adults in your life except for like party with them cook food those types of things right it's two weeks of parties but anyone can celebrate normal so i i i pitched this to all of you guys to kind of consider that as you're like cold and miserable fighting with your families during christmas just know you have another holiday three months away that you could be celebrating that's a little bit more joyful and less expensive like you don't have to give a lot of money to these kids you can just give them a 20 dollar bill you can give them a five dollar bill um, whatever you want. You know, I would argue that the act of giving someone money versus a present and, you know, with AD, like you directly hand it to them. Yeah. You don't, you don't put it in an envelope right from Santa and then it's exactly. like, no, it's like, no. It's literally like, I love you. Here you go. Happy new year. Sure. Here's uh, a 20. And I would be like, oh my God, $20. I'm so rich. Yeah. And so I think that Again, that's that's a direct tie of like this individual is handing me fruits of their labor. You may not understand where that twenty dollars mm-hmm. came from when you're a kid, but when you become an adult, you understand like, man, a lot of people gave me money. They worked for that. And you understand what money is. And you understand what money yeah. is. Um and so like I think the thing about Christmas is that it divorces you from the reality of where things come from. You know, you see these like YouTube videos or whatever, probably now TikToks during the holidays where like kids find out that Santa isn't real and they lose their mind. Oh, I haven't seen those. Well, just imagine, just imagine a kid finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. All the lies. And it's like, what are you, (laughs) you know, what are you talking about? You literally made me like, you, you told me like, if I don't behave that I'm not going to get presents, that I'm a elf on the shelf. You monitored me. You like, you literally shatter this kid's <laughs> okay, world. Okay, what do you think about the Tooth Fairy then? No, that's ridiculous. Tooth Fairy is not real. Not real. Do you still get like a quarter if you lost a tooth? You could give money if they lose a tooth or lose multiple teeth or whatever. But the idea of some magical thing sneaking in your room when you're sleeping, like why? <laughs> why would you do that to children? And I don't quite understand. What does the Easter Bunny do? Like leaves? chocolates around i mean i don't in the yard or something i i know very little about easter i mean i don't know how the connection to the bunny from the bunny to jesus is yeah. made. i understand what easter is i don't yeah, know where yeah, the bunny yeah, popped yeah. up but my point the commercialization of religion we don't quite understand but but my point is that like i don't understand why you would want to spend the first four five six seven years of a child's life flat out lying to them mm-hmm. and then when you have to tell them the truth kind of like laugh it off as like, oh, well, we tell this to all the kids. It's like, you just broke trust with your child. Mm-hmm. And now you have to reestablish trust with your child. So were you raised uh, being told Santa was real? I knew Santa Claus wasn't real before anyone told me that Santa Claus was But they tried real. to tell you Santa was real. Everyone tried to tell me Santa Claus was uh, real. I and I just kind of sat there and like, you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. I remember my cousins. I had two cousins, EJ and Lamar. And... Lamar was like a year older than me and EJ was like, I think, two or three years older than me. And we were like arguing about it one time. And I just kept saying like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like it just doesn't. I was like, there's too many kids. It's not possible. In one night? How is that I was like, I just kept saying it's not possible or whatever the childhood version of doesn't make sense. Oh, it's yeah, not possible, yeah. right? I was a little kid. I was probably like four or five or six. Mm-hmm. But I realized everyone around me obviously was going along with it. So it's like, okay, I don't want to argue. 
And ironically, that's been my life. I know. I see things. They don't make sense. Everyone seems to make sense to them. And I just kind of go, well, okay, maybe one day you'll figure it out. And I would argue that that's Bitcoin. Yeah. I see everyone. They're telling me that like Bitcoin doesn't make sense. I'm like, it makes sense to me. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. You guys want to keep going along with the Santa Claus lie and the Santa Claus myth. And you want to lie to your kids about how the world works and then kind of slowly reintroduce them to society. Fine. I won't do it. I'll try to convince my kid not to spoil it for your kids. Yeah. But I can't make any promises. Yeah. Right? Ian's like ready to raise an asshole. Not an asshole. Just a truth teller. <laughs> just a truth teller. And the truth is, is that I do not believe that parents should lie to their children about Santa Claus or any mythical creature yeah, coming to that. give them rewards for behaving it's like if you can't educate your child as to how to behave don't invoke some spirit be a better parent being a good person should be uh the lesson it's funny because you know you're a smart kid i was a really smart kid too um but i was an immigrant so i came home one day and explained to my parents what santa claus was and explained to them that they had to get me gifts so I did the I did the complete different angle where I was like, let me explain to you what happens in America. <laughs> All these kids said Santa's coming to their house. You need to make sure Santa comes to our house. Wink, wink. <laughs> and I was like five years old. So yeah, yeah. Um, this is part of my, this is part of assimilating. <laughs> part of assimilating is uh, I need some presents. Yeah. Um, but okay, Santa is fiat, guys. You you heard it here first. Yeah, and and again, like I think it's. It's all part of the same problem, which is it's very hard for us. I don't know why, but it's very hard for the majority of us to have like honest, frank conversations about what's going on, what the fundamental problems are, and while they may be very painful, what the obvious solutions are. I don't think that the people that are in charge that are trying to solve these very fundamental problems have the incentive structure to solve them in a way that actually would solve the problem because they kind of benefit from the problem. And so just like benef- just like parents benefit from lying to their kids about Santa. Exactly. So last week, I did ask on our social media uh, if any of our listeners were planning on making the pitch for Bitcoin to their families, you know, around the dinner table. And everyone said no. And they said that their families don't get it. Uh, So I was wondering, like, is there any type of talking points or like even like scripts that we could pull together to help you guys um, convince your families to, you know, con- just even consider Bitcoin or to buy Bitcoin. We officially have converted both of our families, at least the patriarchs of our families, <laughs> um, onto Bitcoin. And so I think that we have some experience on that perspective, uh, even though we have, you know, my dad is like super supportive of the pod and us using Bitcoin. It took him a really long time to finally download the app himself, you know, and do that himself. He just did that yesterday. So um, I think like patience is really important, but thinking about what's going on in the world today in real time with inflation and everyone's worried about money. Like I, what else are you going to be talking about during Christmas? How Santa Claus is fiat. How Santa's fiat. Yeah. Yeah. You can bring that conversation up too. I mean, I would argue that that might be a better way to start. Maybe. You don't want to talk about Bitcoin? Fine. Let's talk about how you lied to me as a child (laughs) 
to get me to behave. Oh yeah, start with an argument. That'll it's really not a, help. It's not an argument. I think it just. I think it kind of illuminates the idea of there's a lot of stories that we've told over time, and they're all kind of falling apart right now. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin's just a new story. Maybe you should read this book. Maybe you should listen to this story. Maybe there's some morals and lessons in here that you could take away from it, just like you think lying to kids about Santa Claus is important and serves some purpose, right? It's just an idea, but we can all see how you're basically lying to kids to get them to behave. That's fiat. Mm-hmm.